This is Unfilter, episode 234 for April 26th, 2017. We have made incredible progress. I don't think there's ever been a president elected who in this short period of time has done what we've done. I think we've had one of the most successful 13 weeks in the history of presidency. No administration has accomplished more in the first 90 days. I think we are going to have a big win soon. We're going to have some great legislative victories in the very near future. Ah, there we go. <laughs> you know, at the top of the show, you talk about what episode number this is, right? 234. Right. You know, it's very unique. It's a very unique number because we will not have another, you know, ascending episode number until episode 345. I had it, you know, right. Yeah. 234. Right. So it's a very, very big day here at Unfilter, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show by the news you shouldn't be watching. Yeah. There's Chris over there. Hey, uh, Chris. So, so two thirty four. We've done. T- I still can't believe we've done two hundred thirty four episodes of this. I can't believe show. it's. Well, I can't believe we're a hundred days into Trump's presidency. Essentially, not quite as we record, but well, we're damn close. And as you heard in the opening clip, you know, no one. I mean, no one has in done history. better in the history of America and the world, probably. Yeah. Has I would done, argue. I would argue in the history of podcasting, no one has done better than the Unfiltered Show for two hundred and thirty-four weeks in That's the history. True. That's true in yeah. the history. Yeah, and and this and it's in, in the young infancy, perhaps the of this most show. successful uh, Patreon Clearly. ever. <laughs> no, no, let's not go there. I wish. Uh, for God, Unfiltered. could you imagine? I I was thinking recently the news cycle is so is so crazy since Trump's become president that we could do this show daily. Like we talked about it at one point, it's it'd be possible, but that Patreon would. Have to be nuts. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Hashtag just saying. So, Mr. Chase. <laughs> Craziness. We have so many little little itty-nitty bitty things to get into before we get into the meat this week. That's You know, what we like to do is have a five-course meal on the Unfilter show because there's um, a couple of couple of nice things about your Unfilter program. Number one, we try to just focus on the stuff that sort of changed the flow of history this week. So if you only have a little bit of time each week, we hope you'll spend it with us to sort of get updated on the stuff yeah. that changed history. And then in the overtime, there's like spillover. There's a there's new story threads we start and follow that maybe aren't really critical yet I, or wrap up. Like I have some Alex Jones yeah. and Bill O'Reilly stuff in the overtime. Go I, ahead. Th- I, I was going to say, I think of the overtime as the big party after you've already won. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've won. And now it's time to wind down, have some yeah. drinks and, and hang out and, and just Find out some more dirt about those guys out there, totally. or gals. You totally, know. Yeah. totally. Yeah. You know, before we go, uh, I have uh, I read a book for the show this week, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that too. Are you we are you okay? I mean, you read a book, yeah. and you're going back to manual control. I think I had a seizure. And- yeah, I think I had, it's, just, <laughs> it's no good. It's no good. Um, but uh, anyways, but we'll get to that. We'll get right. to that. But first, right. maybe enough. we'll start a little cyber. Uh, you know what? ASL, buddy. A little bit of cyber, and uh, it's it's an important one. It's about hackers targeting. Wait. Very specific hackers. Oh yes, in oh, yeah. air quotes. Oh yes. Okay. Oh yes. Oh yes. Just want to make sure we're talking about the right hackers. Now get ready. Get your serious face on. Do you have your serious face on? Hey, Maybe. wait, wait. Wasn't that gal on the left at RT? I think she recognized years her. ago. Yeah, but she's been at CNN for a while. Really? Good okay. to see you. Thank you for joining us here on the program. Um, what exactly happened with these cyber attacks? Well, we saw two types of. Uh, actors carrying out uh, intrusions and attack activity from China on South Korea. 
Uh, we saw hacktivist actors who were carrying out kind of low-level attacks, uh, disruptions of websites, defacements. Most of that activity was pretty overt. They were uh, self-organizing and picking names like Panda Intelligence Bureau to sort of uh, advertise their activity. And then we also saw cyber espionage actors who we've known for quite a while. Uh, we have evidence that they targeted at least one party that has been associated with the missile placements. Uh, we believe they're a state-sponsored group. Oh, watch out, Chase. State-sponsored. Okay, so uh, just to confirm, you believe there's a Chinese state-sponsored group behind this. You're saying that the THAAD system itself was not targeted, but at least one organization linked to the deployment THAAD was. So we have ourselves uh, a little bit of cyber, a little bit of cyber here. Okay. Now, when they say these state-sponsored actors, uh, are they meaning uh, the NSA uh, using some sort of software? And, <laughs> or the CIA. Or CIA, sorry. Maybe they mean the trained children. Oh. It's a complex, destructive, and evolving threat. But the skills gap to fight hacking is equally as vast. Here to fill the hole, 14-year-old schoolboy Otto from London and his generation of cyber defenders. I think there really should be a bit more education as to how to keep yourself safe. People just rush forward to develop some technology like a sort of internet-enabled smart fridge. They don't actually consider the security considerations because they're not, they don't have an awareness of the fact that the smart fridge could be hacked. This room of teenage coders are defending a drone food delivery company against malicious hackers. None of it's real, though. They're all contestants in a cybersecurity championship. The prize could be an internship with the organizer, U.S. defense giant and stealth bomber manufacturer Northrop Grumman. So best of luck to every one of you. Congratulations. We need far more defenders um, to ward off against these more complex cyber threat. And it's coming from everywhere, and it's rapidly evolving. So there's a lot of sense of urgency in getting children more interested in this field. Even if they don't win, skills like these open doors in cyber defense, architecting cyber solutions or forensics. Good news for the cyber security industry where Northrop Grumman says 1.5 million jobs will go unfilled in the next year. Or a- Wow, that's incredible. 1.5 million. Ah, so, you know, when this podcasting thing, you know, if you you need a new job, North of Grumman, right there, buddy. No kidding. Also, yes, cyber, teacher cyber. says they could always start up their own company. 20 years ago, Google didn't exist. It was two guys at college who... This is a big secret, so I have to whisper it to you. Oh, well, they're working hard hacking right now. And I can't say it too yeah. loudly because it might disrupt their yeah, excellent don't, hacking. Don't worry. It was two guys at college who started it. Apple 40 years ago didn't exist. It was two guys in their garage. And it's very much, why should I work for somebody else? I can, I can do the stuff that I'm interested in. A new generation dealing with a new era of threats. Wow. What do you think of this? What, do you, what is your takeaway from this? Because to me, it feels a little propagandy. Well, propagandy and also recruitment ingy. You know, it's yeah. just like this is just one big jobs video, right? So that's what it felt like, felt like to me is it was a uh, it was a PR video right. for that company. For North Garmin. Yes, yeah. that's exactly yeah. <laughs> like they're getting. Yeah. Look at us. We're investing in the for future. For more information, visit our website. We're investing. We're investing. Speaking of investing, this is something I'm surprised uh, more people aren't investing in. This here is a big gun, a really, 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 that's really not big a gun. real gun. No, it's a drone gun. Yeah. <laughs> so check this thing out. So is this ha- the same one that shot down that uh, drone over, like, Kentucky the other day? Maybe. Did you hear about that? No. Yeah. No. A guy was flying his drone, just taking video, and all of a sudden, it got shot down. Do you notice Do you notice here 
Oh, no, this doesn't actually damage the drone. What do you mean damage to the drone? Oh, this gun? This gun, yeah. I'll show you here in a second. Oh, okay. But look at this. So this guy's flying, and I'm not saying he's not flying. Is he just flying a basic DJI there, it looks like? Yeah, but isn't it interesting that he doesn't have his phone connected? Well, no, it's right there in the cradle. You don't see it? No. It's right there. Yeah, his phone's there, but there's no wire going into it. Well, the the wire going to the phone is just for for power, right? No, no, no. You actually need to have it physically plugged in? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, you see there? You see how he's got, you see how he's got the phone there, but it's not, it's not connected. Well, so then they, they raise, I know, I know, it's fine. Yeah, okay. They raise the gun, so they point the gun at the drone. He pulls, he squeezes the trigger, and then the drone just kind of slowly comes down peacefully. Ah, uh, see, you know, no, I no, this doesn't show me anything. Yeah, then they just land the drone. Yeah, but I mean, first off, how do I not know the guy at the controls is slowly lowering it, right? How do I not know that? I don't know. I don't exactly. know how you don't know Yeah, that. I mean, things like this can be... Why would China want to scam this, though? Isn't that weird? <laughs> the whole thing is just This weird. is the same kind of invention that, like, it was the bus that straddles the lanes of traffic, you know, that goes over the... Yeah. And that turned out to be nothing. Yeah. I think same. Thing. I think so too. As I thought. I thought. I. I, I was kind of leaning that way. So I'm glad you came down. I mean, first off, and I didn't influence your thought, right? That no, was totally. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you this: If you were designing a gun like that, <laughs> yeah, of course, because that's what I would do. Yeah, yeah. Let's say you were, and you pulled the trigger. Yeah. Slowly. When you had it make a noise, like you know, or a little light going off, or you know, anything, or take the DJI, the DJI startup noise and reverse it. Something like that would be really. Don't great. you want to have like confirmation that you yeah. got it, like a. You got it. Nice also, job. Also, I want Ten that points. thing to drop like a rock, not slowly come down. Well, you don't want to destroy it. I want to destroy it. No, you don't. You you want to take it. It's $800 worth of yeah, flying. That. Right yeah, there. that's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. All right. So we should probably just do just a really quick update in the Russia segment before we go forward. Because uh, when we go from cyber, I like to transition into Russia. The two just go great together. Yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, and your buddy. My good friend. Michael Flynn. A uh, bit of hot water. Two members of Congress say President Trump's former national security advisor, Michael Flynn, may have broken the law. They say the retired army general did not properly reveal that he was paid by a TV network tied to the Kremlin. The House Oversight Committee's Republican chairman and ranking Democrat spoke out after reviewing classified documents. Jeff Begay is on Capitol Hill with the newest trouble for Flynn. Trouble, Jeff. Good morning. Hey, good morning. This How's is another going? stunning development for someone who was the president's top national security official. Mike, do you remember what you are, your takeaway and my takeaway was when they first introduced Flynn? Yeah, uh, everybody likes him. Yeah, everybody likes him. Seems I don't know much about guy. him, but he seems like in the media is just falling all over him. Right, boy, how those times have changed. <laughs> then the shoe drop. <laughs> Top national security official Michael Flynn is facing legal problems on several fronts connected to Russia. But in this case, if it is found that he broke the law, that is a felony and he could get up to five years behind bars. Whoa. As a former military officer, you simply cannot take money from Russia, Turkey or anybody else. I don't know if you caught it, but he took money from Russia in the sense that he was paid for his time on RT. Oh, oh, by the way. So is that legit? If you go on RT America, does that does no, that mean you got paid no. by the Russian government? No, I guess it, it kind of does. No, because it's two levels removed. No, but, but, but that's exactly it. Did the check come in uh, rubles or rupees, whatever they use? <laughs> rupees. Well, so uh, <laughs> so if you get if you if Chase Nunes does a uh, rubies, if uh, <laughs> I said rupees, <laughs> if Chase Nunes does yes. a spot, yes, 
Does he get paid by a by the local Seattle company? Does he get paid by a national company? Like, how does Chase? Well, like for, for for example, I get paid by Sinclair Media of Seattle. Okay, uh-huh. which is an LLC formed for the Seattle companies, right? So then, would it be fair to say that ABC funded that commercial? No, of course not. Because, you know, I'm getting paid through, you know. But that's what they're doing in this case. Right, exactly. You can't say it. By the way, side note, Mr. Jason Chaffetz there on the right side of your screen if you're watching the video. Keep an eye on this guy. And the only reason why is because he's already announced that he's not seeking re-election and he's going to be finishing out his thing and then walking away. That some, usually makes for some interesting... Well, some people are saying that he's running for president. A former military officer, you simply cannot take money from Russia, Turkey, or anybody else. The leaders of the House Oversight Committee said yesterday that the president's former national security advisor should have disclosed a payment he received from Russian-backed media company RT. There's also no evidence that he sought permission to obtain these funds from a foreign source. In late 2015, retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn received a nearly $34,000 payment for a speech he gave in Moscow. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, boy. Jesus, I mean, it's not Obama money, but it's that's good. <laughs> I don't know if you, I don't know if you I saw heard this. what, 200, what? 400, I think, oh, or 300? It's in it's the show lot, notes. But you know what, though? He's, you know, he's not he's doing, doing exactly what Hillary did, though. He's going to Wall Street, and he's getting paid to he's do these speeches. He's doing what every former president has done. I don't agree. I mean, $300,000? It, it's it's an inflation curve, buddy. Oh, I'm saying, oh sure. Oh, oh, come yeah. on. Come yeah. On. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. No, that's the new cost name of, of Name pop- a president that hasn't done that. Inf- it, what you call inflation, I call the new cost for political influence. I just say the price is raised. It's not inflation. My butt. During the trip, he was photographed at an event sitting right next to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Guilty! Guilty! He's guilty! He's sitting next to Putin! Putin, he's sitting right there! Retired Lieutenant General Michael Flynn received a nearly $34,000 payment for a speech he gave in Moscow. During the trip, he was photographed at an event sitting right next to Russian President Vladimir Putin. You see that total to the- CIA guy in the background, like, just staring at Flynn, too. On the far left, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Russian President Vladimir Putin. According to the law, Flynn, who was the head of the Defense Intelligence Agency during the Obama administration, should have sought approval from the Secretary of State and Secretary of the Army to make the trip. So he screwed up while Obama was in office? And that's what he's... Okay. All right. All okay. Right. Sure. In a statement, Flynn's attorney denied the allegations, saying his client briefed the agency extensively both before and after the trip. The Oversight Committee has requested more information from the White House about what the administration knew about Flynn's contacts with foreign governments. Ranking member Elijah Cummings accused White House officials of stonewalling the investigation, pointing to this letter in which they refused to comply, saying the activities and payments predate Flynn's White House service. Well, that would be a 100 percent accurate statement. Yeah. Uh, Press Secretary Sean Spicer drew a hard line. Spicer. Right now, to ask the White House to produce documents that were not in the possession of the White House is is un, is ridiculous. I can't disagree with that yeah. statement. Yeah. 
Flynn is one of several Trump campaign representatives under scrutiny by the FBI, which is looking into whether Trump campaign officials were coordinating with the Russians during the 2016 election. You know, if they covered how Hillary Clinton's FBI investigations went as thoroughly as they cover people getting investigated for Russia. Can we Russia, check her emails real quick? Let's just pull them up on uh, WikiLeaks real quick. Yeah. Real quick. Uh, Actually, we're going to get to some of that. There's some... Yeah. There's some big updates to that, but yeah, but let's let let's start before we go any further with more current events. Um, you and I have been discussing a while on this show uh, since before Trump got elected, and definitely since he's been elected, that there was a massive, massive rift between him, Trump, and the intelligence agencies. Right, and it Huge. seems like it's simmered down. Like we haven't talked about it much for the last three weeks. Well, we've been distracted by Moab's and Syria, Syria, yeah, yeah, for uh, sure. You know, uh, oh, and how he won the election. He keeps reminding us. Well, and it seems like as he started taking some of these military actions, some of the pressure from the intelligence agencies began to sort of get released. Uh, so here's a little update on that situation. Comments as CIA director Mike Pompeo. We talked about these a little bit last week. Mike Pompeo, the CIA director, Trump's guy from that's now director of the CIA. He. He's been talking tough about Assange, Assange, and about WikiLeaks, about how awful it is. He, he railed against the organization and its leader, Julian Assange. It's time to call out WikiLeaks for what it really is, a non-state hostile intelligence service often abetted by state actors like Russia. This is, this is some, some ripe, ripe Trump hypocrisy here. Yeah, because it is, totally. Pompeo yeah. can't say this if Trump doesn't, isn't on board with this. That's, that's how this system works here. And this is, this, so this is also Trump's position. Uh, hold on. Are you looking uh, at your Twitter feed there? Yeah, I, I just found something. Uh, Trump says he loves WikiLeaks. Loved it as a candidate. Loved it. Loved, Loved it. it. Loved it. Can they find those hidden emails? Hey, Russia, while you're at it. Yeah. yeah. Intelligence service often abetted by state actors like Russia. They champion nothing but their own celebrity. Their currency is clickbait. Their moral compass non-existent. Oh, man, man. Oh, man. Julian Assange and his kind are not the slightest bit interested in improving civil liberties or enhancing personal freedom. The problem is, is the CIA really got burned by these last leaks. They have pretended America's First Amendment freedoms shield them from justice. Oh. They may have believed that, but they are wrong. Here to discuss, uh, Fox News Senior Judicial Analyst, uh, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Very unusual to hear the uh, director of the CIA target somebody he believes who was uh, part of the system through which information has been leaked and target so target the person so personally and so aggressively so you know that what came out we'll talk about in a second exactly what came out obviously damaged the cia now there have been so many leaks we're talking about during the break which leak which is leak this is okay this? this is the leak that revealed some of the cia's methods whereby it can hack into your smartphone or a russian agent's your smartphone, samsung television your samsung television your microwave <laughs> and make it look like it was the russians that was doing the hacking right so they are particularly aggrieved because they can't really use this method anymore now that it's out there that's actually a legitimate observation we haven't talked about is the CIA is pissed off, if nothing else. Oh, yeah. Because they can't use these tools now. <laughs> and it showed that they made it look like Russians. And they have this manhunt ongoing. It's a big deal. But you have to note, it seems like Trump and the CIA are getting along a lot better now. Mike Pompeo to come out like this, what do you think that says about what's happening inside the CIA? I think there's a great battle going on in the intelligence community right now, Brian, for the heart and soul of uh, President Trump. 
and they are selectively conceal and selectively reveal information in order to influence the president. Mike Pompeo is the president's guy. He is the He's successor guy. to John Brennan. He is the new uh, director of the CIA. But there are people that work for him that he probably would prefer he had a little bit more influence over and control over. Think about it for a moment. You're the you're the new guy brought in to be in charge of the CIA and the CIA is full of people that know everything about everybody, including you. Yeah. Same thing uh, over at the NSA. These intelligence agencies have so much information about so many people. It makes them so powerful. It also makes the people who have access to this information independent of their bosses and independent of others in the agencies. Because once they leak something, like what we're talking about this morning, it has a profound effect on everybody else. Mike Pompeo sees his boss every day because he personally gives the president the presidential daily brief. That is interesting, too. The director of the CIA is personally giving Trump his daily intelligence briefing. Well, maybe he has the patience to, you know, really, <laughs> really basic. You know, I think basic it says info. I think it says that Trump didn't trust anyone else to give him the uh, the scoop. That's possible. That's what it says to me. Well, you know, maybe he has to put in 140 characters or less. So know. Trump's hundred days are uh, near, and the big, big, big hoopla going on right now is. Will there be a government shutdown on his 100th day? Oh. Now to the showdown over a possible government showdown. I'm sorry, what? What did she say? What? Now to the showdown over a possible government showdown. It all feels like show business Wait, all of a sudden. to the showdown over a possible government showdown. Now to the showdown over a possible government showdown. Oh, Robin. <laughs> you're giving me a headache. That's... Shutdown. Republicans and Democrats Shut trying down. to strike a deal on the federal budget before Friday's deadline. Our congressional correspondent, Mary Bruce, is on Capitol Hill for us, has all those details. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, hey. Robin. Well, if Congress can't strike a deal by midnight Friday, the president could be celebrating his 100th day with a government shutdown. Now, the White House is hoping to avoid that, but the president is also driving a hard bargain, insisting on money to fund his border wall. But Now, this has been the hoopla building for the last couple of weeks, and of course, it's come to a real peak and before it just totally spun out of control but you have some uh, immediate news and that has to do with whether or not uh, there is likely to be a government shutdown this weekend that's right, Ali. Uh, NBC News can confirm that the Republicans have made an offer to Democrats uh, for a spending package that does not include money for the border wall. So, of course, uh, that was what this showdown had started to focus on. Can you believe this? They got the they got the president. They got they got they got the House. They got the Senate, and they still can't get shit done, dude. It's so funny to me. It's so funny. They are so impotent. It's ridiculous well, I, for the government for the for the uh, for the spending bill or the omnis package. Don't they need the Democrats to get on board on this? Though, don't they need? Yeah, yeah they do. This so. whole thing is this whole thing is. I very advisably avoided. I think it would look very, very, very bad for this to happen under Trump. Would you call this a showdown? I would definitely call this a showdown. Definitely that, a showdown. Uh, was avoided before it became a big lowdown. Now, th- I have also – now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that uh, the Republicans are, are crushing it. <laughs> it's almost it's, – it's laughable. I'm, I'm seriously laughing at them right now. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily take away from the fact that Trump has had a pretty productive 100 days. 
I, Donald John Trump, do solemnly swear. There's no question President Trump got off to a swift start on his first official day of business, signing three executive orders, fulfilling campaign promises to withdraw from the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal, implement a federal hiring freeze, and re-implement the so-called Mexico City policy on funding NGOs that provide abortion counseling. Within the first week, he also green-lighted the Keystone XL and Dakota Access Pipelines, authorized building a border wall and rebuilding the military, and issued his ill-fated executive order on the immigration ban, which was immediately challenged in the courts. These entrenched interests will do anything they can to keep the broken system in place. Compared to his recent predecessors, President Trump has been particularly prodigious with executive orders. Prodigious. That's their way of saying he signed a lot of executive orders. <laughs> Here's the numbers. As of today, he has signed 25. That compares to 19 for President Obama, 11 for George W. Bush, and 12 for Bill Clinton. That looks like a trend to me. Wow. He has also signed 28 laws, compared to 14 for Obama, 7 for Bush, and Clinton's 22. No administration has accomplished more in the first 90 days. But unlike his recent predecessors, the president so far has no legislative accomplishments to point to. Presidential scholar Alan Lickman was virtually alone in his early prediction that Donald Trump would win the presidency. I think it's been a pretty troubled first hundred days. Not because he hasn't done anything. He has done a lot. This has not been a do-nothing presidency, but he's done almost all of it through executive order. Rapid fire executive orders. Rapid fire. <laughs> now, uh, that is a whole nother discussion, but it hasn't necessarily all been roses either. Family. President Trump's first 100 days were also marked by controversy. He was pilloried for his immigration ban, had to fire his national security advisor, and spent weeks defending a claim that he was wiretapped by President Obama. He put his political director on the National Security Council only to later take him off, and spent much of his first 100 days at war with the media, accusing them of fake news. I'm changing it from fake news, though. Do doesn't that under... Very fake news. It's been a very busy 100 days. You know, looking back at it, we've been really hustling for 100 days to keep up with all this stuff. Uh, but yeah, boy, that all brings it back. Oh. One thing I've noticed, I have, uh, I don't, I did not in the past watch the White House press conferences. You never watched them? Oh, no, I did. I just didn't oh. watch them. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah, okay. Of course. Oh, right. I just never watched them live. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. I would just watch the playback later yeah. on for yeah. clips. Yeah. But with Spicy Sean, since he since the Sunday he came out and yelled at the press. You mean Melissa McCarthy? I've been watching every live that I can. I've missed a couple while I was traveling. Well, the, the great part is, you know, I, I, get, a, I get the raw feed from mm -hmm. the press room. So I get to watch it, and it's very enlightening. Yeah, and sometimes time. they sit around waiting for Spicy. And sometimes it's fine. You know, they're casually cut. We, we yeah. get the highlights. But, you know, he really is a really nice guy once you get to know him. I actually, it's funny when you watch the press conferences. He doesn't come across nearly as bad as when you just get him in clips. The first day, but see that first day ruined everything. Yeah. First impression. But you and I have noticed a couple of things. First of all, he does sometimes use props, which SNL has picked up on. <laughs> uh, but something else I found really interesting is the use of Skype. Oh, that's right. Yeah, bringing in uh, well, what they call them like uh, electronic, uh, you know, press where they yeah. brought from other stations. And They've stuff. been and yeah. I watched. I've watched a couple of panels on this. I watched a CNN panel and a Fox panel on this, and both panels totally had different different takes on it. But one thing they both agreed on, not intentionally, just happened to come up, was that 
there has been a a change in how things have always been done in that room on who gets called, who has priority, right. like they're changing things up. And I got a little bit of a clip here from a New York Times reporter who was being interviewed on a podcast who said kind of the same thing. Glenn, did you want to jump in on that? Yeah, I, I do want to give Trump credit uh, on things. Um, I think one of the things uh, that I think he's doing better than Barack Obama are these press conferences and uh, his uh, outreach to re- individual reporters, uh, even for organizations like my own uh, that he criticizes. That would be the New York Times. I think, uh, you know, people, we can't fall into this trap of hearkening back to the Obama era as if it was this golden age. When Obama had press conferences, he had a single piece of white paper and he had six or seven organizations that he had pre-selected to call upon. And a lot of them were pretty favorable to him, too, uh, you know, generically. And I think Trump's free-ranging press conferences, I think, are a lot more uh, democratic than, than the way that Obama conducted them. I like that he just mentions right out of there that, oh, yeah, some of these establishment news, they're just favorable to the president. Like, that's no big deal. He just talks about it like it's no big deal. Well, I mean, we we already know that. I I, I think yeah, I, I mean, guess so. It, but he's part of thing. the machine. He's right. part yeah. of the machine. And he's, he's perpetrating it. Yeah. yeah. So, did you hear about Ivanka? Ivanka Trump. She goes to Germany, and it got a little awkward. Oh, the the crowd getting uh, yeah. Well, getting I, little... did they? I don't. I can't quite well, tell. Well, they kind of booed and hissed. So here's I have the I have the raw video here. Sadly, the United States is one of the only countries in the world, the only developed country in the world that doesn't have a paid leave policy. Um, you remember how uh, she's supposed supposedly a Republican and her dad's a conservative and here she's, I mean, this is not well, these, the paid leave policy. That's a democratic. Yeah. Thing. I mean, that's interesting. Anyways. Yeah. So sitting next to her, by the way, is the gal that used to run the uh, international monetary fund. Uh, and uh, I believe she is also the best friend of Donald Trump and they go in on uh, tanning bed purchases for the benefit of, families. So that is something I'm very, very proud of my father's advocacy long before he came into um, the presidency, but but during the campaign, including in the primaries. He's been a tremendous champion of, of supporting families. I don't hear any booing. No, 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 no. It's when she talked about women. And enabling them to thrive in the new reality of I'm fast forward a little times bit. Uh, might. Uh, no, that was it right there. That was it. Uh, the reaction from from. I'm gonna go. That's it. That's it. He's been a tremendous champion of of supporting families and, and enabling them to thrive in the new reality of. There was a little bit of something. It's in weak that. though, dude. Yeah, I can but, barely hear it in the background. The, the, I've heard it on better you, audio. You, you uh, hear the, the reaction from, from, from the audience, so I, I need to, to... You're saying there's other clips where it sounds yeah, horrible? Yeah, you can hear it a like lot Like they better. mic'd the crowd? Um, I don't know, but there was... I've, I've definitely heard better audio. Okay. Yeah. All right, well, so there's... But that isn't even the awkward thing. That's yeah. not... The yeah. awkward thing was, like, some of the questions where she gets asked, like, who are you and who are you representing? Why are you here? This is CNN Breaking News. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I'm Poppy Harlow. I'm John Berman. We have breaking news this morning. A fiery reception for Ivanka Trump, the first daughter on her first official overseas trip in the middle right now of maybe her first foreign controversy. Ms. Trump is in Germany with a packed schedule that includes a women's empowerment conference and a dinner with Chancellor Angela Merkel. Of course, she is not there, not just as a blood relative of the president, but as an official advisor to him in the White House. And moments ago, while she was on that panel, you saw her there with Angela Merkel, the chief of the IMF. She was greeted with tough questions about what does she actually do and who does she actually work for? Listen. 
the German audience is not that familiar with the concept of a first daughter. I'd like to ask you, what is your role uh, and whom are you representing? Uh, your, your father as the president of the United States, the American people or your business? Well, certainly not the latter. And I am rather unfamiliar with this role as well as it is quite new to me. And it got a little bit more uncomfortable when there seemed to be jeers from the audience over questions about her father's treatment of women. Let's get straight to Joe Johns. It is kind of awkward. Yeah. I mean, she's doing, I think she's being a little disingenuous. I mean, she knows exactly what she's doing, and, and that was her way of skirting the question. Well, definitely not the latter, but my position's so new. So she never really answered the question. I thought she did a good job, though. I don't but, know. I mean, it's a good spin to, to answer, <clears throat> yeah. but not, I don't think she, you know, fully, fully. Yeah, I, I suppose you're probably right. So let's, unless you have any more thoughts. No, I'm good. Let's shift. Let's shift. Let's. You mean, let's Adam shift? Let's. Let's shift. Adam I, shift. I don't, 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 don't. You, I know you like that, that guy. That triggers me, buddy. That tr- <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm trying to have a good podcast with you. I want to have a good time. You really don't like that guy. I really, 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 really don't like Adam Schiff. So, so you, you, you need to look up Adam Schiff and Conan. Okay, really? Because he was on Conan. <laughs> oh, but I can't play on the show. I'll no, I know. You, down. No, I know, but you just get, look it up. Okay. It's, I will after the show. I mean, it, it shows that he's a... Really? A, a person. <laughs> Oh, really? That would be good, because right now, I feel like he's as evil as John McCain, but he just without evil. the... But, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, speaking of evil, uh-huh. there's a new book out about Hillary Clinton's campaign. Oh. And, uh, Are you talking I, about the campaign was evil, or Hillary? Sorry. I, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I feel like there's that's that's an artificial distinction that does yeah. not need to be made there. <laughs> sure. Can, can the answer be all of the above? Yes. Uh, C. So yeah. it's called Shattered, and I've got, I have no idea how this is going to work. I, I, uh, yeah, I was trying to figure out what the yeah, hell you were I, doing I over there. I had Noah set up um, my phone, so that way I you, could play it. You know there's a much easier way of doing that, right? You could have just went to like audible.com yeah. and just logged in, right? I can play it on the web like that? That's I, something I, you can do? Yeah, there's like every book has a sample clip you can and play. exhausted. Hey, so I'm go. gonna yeah, I'm gonna play a clip for you here. All right, uh, in a moment. Uh, yeah, I had it. So it looks like it's gonna work. But first, I want to set it up for you. So it's called the book is called Shattered, uh, and it's um, about basically the failing of the Hillary Clinton campaign, the internal drama. Now, I have a couple of things to say right off the top about this. All right, just so you understand the background. This was actually originally created as a book to document Hillary Clinton winning the presidency. Uh, it w- the authors started it with that premise because it just seemed like oh, a yeah. foregone conclusion, yeah. and so shattered was actually her shattering the glass ceiling. Makes sense. ironically enough, um, and so as part of the process of doing this book, they got interviews that were very candid because they had they had a rule they had to follow. That none of this could be published until after the election. So they got a few extra things disclosed that weren't normally disclosed. The book itself is meandering. It's it's slow, um, and it's it's essentially pro Hillary. It's essentially favorable Hillary. But there are a few interesting tidbits about it, and the Clinton campaign definitely doesn't like it. Clinton's defeat in last year's presidential race was one of the biggest upsets in political history. But while her election night loss may have shocked the world, two journalists say signs pointing to that very outcome 
were hiding in plain sight. They detail their findings in the new book, Shattered, Inside Hillary Clinton's Doomed Campaign. How's that for a title? And we welcome the authors, Jonathan Allen and Amy Parnes. Guys, congrats on the new book. Thanks, Thank you. So there are a host of people across the country that want to know what happened. One of the things that I took away from the book was there were two axes inside the camp, the data and analytics team driven by Robbie Mook and the sort of gut retail politics team largely helmed by John Podesta and Bill Clinton. John, what happened between those two factions? See, that's not actually the interesting part. The interesting part about it is, and they go on and on here, and I'll play a little bit more of it for you. There's a, there's several interesting aspects of this whole entire campaign, as you would imagine on a campaign like this. Males, for example, Amy. Hillary Clinton didn't want to ap- apologize or really take that on right. headfirst in the way that a lot of her staff seemed to think that she needed to. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment of tension that we detail in the book where she's like, she and the president are kind of frustrated about why their message isn't resonating. And they kind of take it out on their aides. They're like, come on, get it together. We, you know, they don't quite realize what's happening, that the email has sort of, you know, become the campaign. Like you were saying, like they, they did not appreciate that, that noose around their neck. No. No, they didn't. Now, and uh, I told you it, it was going to not go away. I'll tell you, there's there's several things covered in these interviews, and and the Clinton campaign's been working hard. The people that are still part of that I, have been saying, don't don't read it, don't bother. It's sensationalized. First major post mortem on the Clinton campaign is out, and the Clinton folks are making it clear they don't like it one bit. We actually have the first official response to the book. The book is called Shattered. Inside Hillary Clinton's doomed campaign, and it's written by D.C. journalist Jonathan Allen and Amy Parnes. It's actually the pair's second book on Secretary Clinton. This one purports to be an account of the infighting and gridlock that aides say paralyzed the Clinton campaign almost from the start. Allen and um, Parnes write, Hillary's, Hillary's campaign was so spirit-crushing that her aides eventually shorthanded the feeling of impended doom with a simple mantra, we're not allowed to have nice things. That's what they'd say. They'd say we'd she'd have something come up and then a roadblock could come up in front of her and knock her down again. And this is why we can't have nice things. Uh And that would become repeated over and over again. The book delves into the alleged tension among Clinton's top staffers, especially what the authors say is the frosty relationship between John Podesta and Robbie Mook, as well as whom Abedin. Robbie Mook, turns out, big up-and-coming player in the Democratic Party. Uh, He helped clean house at the DNC and get a bunch of Clinton allies stacked up there. His work that he did there got him a position in Clinton's campaign because she wanted, instead of having infighters, she wanted people that wanted Democrats to win. So she brought in Mook to work with Podesta, and it turns out it was like water and oil. Insulating Hillary Clinton from any criticisms. Books come out about the Clintons all the time, but the interesting thing about this one is how vehemently former Clinton staffers are pushing back on it. Staffers like Jen Paul Mary, Nick Merrill, and Philippe Reince have been tweeting photos of aides working together, saying there was no animosity behind the scenes. And this afternoon, we received a statement from Clinton spokesperson and former campaign press secretary Nick Merrill on behalf of Secretary Clinton, and it reads in full. We don't need to go into it. So they're they're pushing back. And I wanted to play. It's funny because none of these guys, CNN, MSNBC, none of them are talking about the most interesting thing from the book. It's just a couple of sentences long. And I want to play it for you because I bought okay. it. I've, I've read it and I have that section bookmarked here. And it's just going to take a minute. Okay. But I think it's extremely, extremely relevant to all of the things we've been talking about in the show for the last few months, especially the last hundred days. It's supposed to be playing right now, but I don't hear Her it. friend. There we go. And exhausted. After two brutal campaigns against Sanders and Trump, 
Hillary now had to explain the failure to friends in, in lit and political surrogates in the days after the election. And so I want to stop here. I want to give, I guess, a little more context. Uh, and political oh. surrogates in the days after the election. So this is right after she lost the election, I guess, which is sort of obvious right there. Okay. So this is right after she lost the election uh, and starting about 24 hours after she lost the elections when the timeline we care about. Mook and Podesta assembled her communications team at the Brooklyn headquarters to engineer the case that the election wasn't entirely on the up-and-up. For a couple of hours, with Shake Shack containers littering the room, they went over the script they would pitch to the press and the public. Already, Russian hacking was the centerpiece of the argument. In Brooklyn, her team coalesced around the idea that Russian hacking was the major unreported story of the campaign overshadowed by the contents of stolen emails and Hillary's own private server imbroglio. They also decided to hammer the media for focusing so intently on the investigation into her email, which had created a cloud over her candidacy. The press botched the email story for 18 months, said one person who was in the room. Comey obviously screwed us, but the press created the story. Hillary wasn't in the room that day, but in private conversations with top aides in the immediate days following her loss, she struggled with the question of why Obama hadn't done more to apprise the public that the Russians had gone way beyond what had been reported. I think it's fascinating that within 24 hours, her Podesta and Mook and her team got together and said, we've got to come up with a narrative. We've got to say it was the Russian hacking. Then we have to come up with a way to pitch it to the media. And that was just part of their communications plan. And now we've gone from that to this entire freaking mess. That shows you a lot. I I think, I mean, it really should open up a lot of eyes to people that what you see on the news and what we cover every single day, or I'm sorry, every single week on this show, is there's a lot of things, a lot of strategies, and a lot of game plans, and a lot of things, and a lot of stuff behind the scenes going and on. People and grooming, and there's just so much. There's so much of it. Yep, yep. Your buddy's back, by My the friend? way. Speaking Who? of Hillary, speaking of Hillary, oh. I don't know what to do with that. Uh, by the way, before we go on, I guess all I have to say is, I mean, if you buy that the that, that the Russians actually influenced the election, then you are buying a narrative that was cock that was cocked up, that was cooked up. 24 hours after Hillary lost the election by people. At, to be honest, I think it was it was cooked up long before Oh, it was, that. yeah, yeah, but oh, they yeah. capitalized on the yeah, narrative. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. yep. Hello, everybody. Hey, hey, everybody have a seat. Yo. Everybody have a seat. Hey, come down there. Have a seat. Hello, everybody. So, uh... What's going on? What's, what's been going on while I've been gone? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's back. He's feeling good. He's yeah. fired up. Yeah, I was just hanging out with uh, Branson, you know. I. Uh, yep. It is wonderful to be home. Yep. It is wonderful to be at the University of Chicago. Dave it Trump. is wonderful to be on the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and it is wonderful to be with these young people here. But there's a need for a rescue mission. He's the back, buddy. The world needs help. Here he so comes. And that's the story. So, yeah, Obama's back. He's feeling good. He wants everybody to know it. Glad to be here. 
And uh, is a two-pronged attack because it's not just Barry talking to the kids. It's also your old buddy. My good friend. Josh Ernest out uh, pushing the message. What's uh, Josh doing? Well, he meant to, except for they forgot to mic him. I'm joined by Josh Ernest, White House press secretary under Mr. Obama and an MSNBC political analyst. Good. Yeah, that means he gets paid by MSNBC. We yeah. give him a little cut. The, the Obama's old PR guy, the, what Sean Spicy now does, he, that guy, Josh Ernest, now works for MSNBC. That's weird. It's so weird. That's weird. Ernest, White House press secretary under Mr. Obama and an MSNBC political analyst. Good to see you, Josh. How are you? Just have a mic on. He doesn't have a mic on. <laughs> and then look at Josh. Josh look at is that like, what? What's going on here? That, 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 that is an oh shit face. That is the show. That's the oh shit face of a man who's been trained not to have an oh shit face right there. Just have a mic on. He doesn't have a mic on. Josh? And then you see the, you see the production guy over there. <laughs> he reaches over and tries to mic Josh real quick. Just have a mic on. Josh? Up, we're getting him re-miked right now. <laughs> Anyways, Josh had to get that mic on so that way he could do some shilling for Barry. He also got um, a pretty harsh critique. It surprised me from um, Keith Ellison. Let's, I think we have that here. Get it all to respond. Let's uh, take a look. Barack Obama could have been a better party leader. Given that we did not, uh, we lost a lot of state house seats, governorships, secretaries of states, his true legacy is in danger. And I think that he can't say that it wasn't he wasn't part of those losses. Man, that hurts because he's black. That's <sighs> why that hurts. If that was a white guy, that wouldn't hurt so bad. But guys, guys, another black guy said this about him. Hey, this is bad, guys. A black guy said this. Well, listen to what, what, uh, what Deputy Chairman Ellison just said. So are they literally paying Josh Ernest to sit here and defend Obama? Is that his job on MSNBC? Well, he must be getting good benefits. And at first, at first... The first couple of words out of Josh's mouth, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, he's just going to give good commentary. And then by about the fifth, sixth, seventh words out of his mouth, I realize he's shilling for Barry. Uh, is true. Barack Obama didn't run to be a party leader. I'm like, wow, yeah. look at Josh. Oh, wait, no, this is the new line. This is the new marketing line. Barack Obama ran to be president of the United States. Oh, oh. so... That's just your new talking point. Okay. True. Barack Obama didn't run to be a party leader. Barack Obama ran to be president of the United States. Mm -hmm. He ran to get things done. Mm -hmm. uh, he took on health care mm -hmm. reform, probably the most politically wow. unpopular thing that he did. Yeah, he screwed me with health care reform. Well, when we make a mistake, we own up to it. <laughs> Dude, I don't have that one. Ready I don't yet. have that one. I got too many Obama ones. This uh, is a rowdy crowd. That's, no, that's what I got. I got, I got. I got too many Obama clips. No, 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 it's only been nearly a hundred days and you don't have I mean you have a few Trump clips. I love these too much. I mean that's too good, dude. That's how we go. That's how we roll. Those are the politics, but in, but uh, uh, in spite of the politics, mm -hmm. he recognized that there was an opportunity to do something that presidents had tried to do for. You like how they have Trump and Putin in the background? Oh my gosh! Yeah, isn't that great? And this is in the middle. He's screwing up. Trump and is yelling at John. Oh, it's a video clip they're yeah, playing. No, it's just, it's just pictures, dude. Yeah. they got like an Apple TV slideshow going on back there. <laughs> Popular thing that he did, not because of the politics, but, in, but uh, 
uh, in spite of the politics. Mm-hmm. He uh, recognized that there was an opportunity to do something that presidents <laughs> had tried to do for 100 years but didn't mm-hmm. succeed in doing. Mm-hmm. He did succeed in getting that done. What would that be? Obamacare? Is he talking about Obamacare? Uh-oh. And he's proud of his legacy. Oh, good. Oh. Got to mention the legacy. Yeah, so you got Josh in there defending Barry. So Clinton with the shattered book, their camp super upset. Obama's back. He's looking good. He's vacationed. He's making jokes. Not using Just for Men Gray, but that's all right. No, I think it's a good look for him. I think it's an experienced salt and pepper look. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I don't know about you, man, but I am really encouraged about the U.N. and about them having Saudi Arabia run up the Human Rights Council. Uh, I think this is a really good development. No problem at all. This is interesting. Some growing outrage now as Saudi Arabia is set to join the UN's leading women's rights organization. Well, this is interesting. This is interesting as a black woman. I find this to be interesting. Oh, this is interesting. Hmm. Let's take Saudi a Saudi Arabia, who has an atrocious history with women's rights, is going to be involved with women's rights in the UN. Hmm, very interesting. This is interesting. Some growing mm. outrage now as Saudi Arabia is set to join the U.S. This is nowhere. interesting. This no. is just interesting, well, guys. I just pulled this out of the C-section mm. here on, on the newspaper. The C-section chase? The ABC. This is interesting. Some growing outrage now as Saudi Arabia is set to join the U.N.'s leading women's rights organization. Oh. Members are electing the Middle Eastern Kingdom to the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women. What the actual F? Is this? This is outrageous. And guess what? Good news, everybody. Good, good, good news. Super great news. Breaking news. Wolf Blitzer breaking news right here, everybody. Situation. This is CNN breaking news. It's a secret panel that get, that gets to vote. It's a secret behind closed doors panel that's electing Saudi Arabia. It is one of twelve new countries chosen by secret ballot. The commission promotes gender equality and the empowerment Who of women. Voted for them for secret ballot. It, it, it promotes gender equality. Give me a that break. That is not when I look up Saudi Arabia, I don't see that listed anywhere. No, no, no. It not even a footnote. Drives me nuts that this is something that goes on at the UN. It makes them seem like a clown operation. It's gross. You know, it's not gross though. Well, what's that? Killing terrorists in the head. <laughs> Man, are you pumped right now, dude? Oh my god. Are you super pumped? This is like, this is amazing. I am, I am so freaking pumped about killing people right now, it's ridiculous. (laughs) Osama bin Laden. The leader of Al-Qaeda. Shot in Pakistan. Shot. Somebody should remind Somebody should remind them that that happened under Obama. It, m- it might tamper their enthusiasm. Are they, are they putting a like a CRT filter on oh, yeah. this? Oh, oh yeah, okay. buddy. So oh, for sure. Yeah. Shot in Pakistan. Shot in the face. In the face. In the face. The United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden. You can say to those families who have lost loved ones to Al-Qaeda's terror, justice has been done. Yeah, but America. God, I am so pumped right now. You know, so of course, with an intro like that. So, oh, can we just stop for a second? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that was we'll, a we'll stop the show. That was a uh, that was a serious production element. This is for their morning show, and they've got a team of people just producing shit like that. I I would kill for that. They made this for Trump before he walks out the door. <laughs> no, better, bigger, big, oh, bigger. Big. Do you remember Rob O'Neill? Does that name ring a bell? Rob O'Neill. Rob O'Neill. Kinda. Navy Seal Rob O'Neill killed oh, Osama bin Laden. <laughs> 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 the guy that the mainstream media is claiming is how the killer. Many, of, wait, how many different titles has this guy had? I, it's been a bunch, man. I know. I, and that's why I'm covering this clip, because it's been like a character on we our need, show. You will get super brownie points if you go back and just find all the different oh, titles. Man, do it. Somebody please oh, do that God, as a gift. So good. Every time Rob O'Neill's been on the show, he's what had a different him. title. Every Maybe time. seal Rob O'Neill killed Osama bin Laden, but that's not all. Here with his brand new book comes out today. It's called The Operator, Firing the Shots that Killed Osama bin Laden. In my years he, as Do you think he plays Call of Duty or Battlefield? I don't. I, and I do think his handle is I the don't know operator? if he doesn't, but if I Oh man, if I was the people making Call of Duty, I'd call up Rob O'Neill and have him voice a character. We want to make you the operator. As a SEAL team warrior, Rob O'Neill joins us live. SEAL Good morning, team Steve. Good morning, Steve. Thank you for the, having me. The book is great. I appreciate that. It was a long time coming. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a great story about c- growing up a normal person in Butte, Montana and finding yourself in Abbottabad, Pakistan. <laughs> I don't know, man. Some little values don't seem right. Exactly. So let's start at the beginning. All right. So uh, you're growing up. You're an avid hunter right. in, in junior high. Yeah, we grew up hunting quite a bit. One day you met a Navy SEAL. We did, I, yes, I took a Navy SEAL hunting. I wasn't quite sure what it was, but I knew it was special forces. So this this is an interesting thing that the media does where they build out a character like this. So anyways, you can find The Operator on bookshelves read it right after you get done reading the Shattered book. Isn't that something? Isn't that really something? Dude, I want to go shoot now. I know. I really want to go, go shoot. Hunting. I want to go like, you know, knock down some fences or something. I want to I go hunt, Chase. That's what yeah. I want. I want to go hunting. I want to go hunt. Wow. Yeah, that's so Rob O'Neill's got a book out, buddy. Well, good for him. You yeah. know, the, the, the Navy SEAL book writer. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Nice hey, hey, Chase, you know, I don't know if, uh, do you have anything in the sack this week? Are you ready for a sack? Or? Uh, well, you know, I. What? I, what? Well, what? I, I, well, I, well, well, I do have something to announce. What? Are you dialing? Yeah. Hold on. All Stay right. off the phone. I'm, I'm calling in. <laughs> what do you got? All right. Well, first off, I want to say thanks to all Club 33. We are now back up to capacity. Oh, good. Because last week we had a couple spots open. We are back to capacity. However, nothing in the sack this week. I, I checked the box. Nothing there. So remember, oh if, you are, if you are part of Club 33 and you want to be a part of my sack, head over to patreon.com slash unfilter there you can sign up for club 33 and then every week before the show we send out an email or an alert to say hey how would you like to be in my sack and be a part of the c-section there you there go. go i brought up full circle nice there you, go. you know in the uh in the now here's what happens because we didn't have anybody that submitted anything to our sack at patreon.com slash unfilter um we had to sell the available time that we've allocated <laughs> oh, <no>. here <laughs> So uh, I just, you know. Is it another book? I put it up for sale. And uh, uh, what do you got? Maxine Waters bought the space. So uh, All right. Maxine. The, Maxine had something she wanted to share she with the people. She has the floor. So she she gets the spot. Right. I have not called for impeachment. You said uh, I'm going to fight I, every day until he's impeached. That's what you tweeted. Yeah, but here's what I've said. is to lead him right into impeachment in order to do the impeachment because as for me i think it leads to impeachment and i believe that and that's what i'm paying attention to and- 
So that's how Maxine and Maxine feels about his first hundred days. Dude. All right. So impeach. Got yeah. It. So yeah. yeah just so but she that. didn't say that though. No. No. Don't. She, yeah. she, she, no. In fact, I don't know if you heard it, but she says clearly there that she did not say that. She says I did not call for. I it. have not called for impeachment. There you go. All right. So well, that's pretty clear. Direct dude. quote. And uh, she just wanted to make sure that since we didn't have anybody that had anything for our sack. Uh, that we got that in the show. Uh, Patreon.com slash unfilter. Any level is appreciated. And Absolutely. If, if you get in there and you get the supporters sync, dig through the back posts and get access to that BitTorrent sync. Lots of extra clips in the supporters sync this week. Lots of extra clips. Lots Jay. of good stuff. Now, I have a couple of notes okay. in the high note for you. Uh, would you call them escalated notes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've escalated them a yeah, little fair bit. Fair enough. All right. You want to start? Let's start with a downer. A little bit of a downer. Yeah, because I want to end high. Yes, exactly. He was an avid skier, river runner, biker, enjoying life to its fullest. Bad enough that his once healthy son needed a double lung transplant to live. His lungs collapsed and that fast, and they still have no idea what happened. When he was told his son could not be on the transplant list, Mark Hansey, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was kind of a bullshit reason why he couldn't get new lungs. You know, young kid in his 20s, pretty good life, Yeah, uh, athletic, pretty yeah. good shape. Okay. The reason? Now, what do you think it is? Oh, well, if it's a high note. Yeah. Well, he did smoke a, a marijuana on Thanksgiving night with his friends. And tested positive for THC. Is that really a reason to disqualify him? The doctor told Riley, you will die. You better get your affairs in order. And his reaction to this? Oh, he started crying. His father tells me Riley had been drug-free for a year. Riley was not a big pot smoker. He did smoke pot. He's a 19-year-old ski guy. The University of Utah cannot talk specifically about Riley's case, but the hospital follows international guidelines for transplants and evaluates cases individually. In a statement, we do not transplant organs in patients with active alcohol, tobacco, or illicit drug use or dependencies until these issues are addressed as these substances are contraindicated for a transplant. Age and other medical conditions may also exclude patients from the list. It's not like he's a, a smoker for well, 30 just, years. Th- and, and This is what I don't get. They just said on a case-by-case individual basis. They eventually uh, did approve it, but it was too late, and he ended up dying. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Bring yep. me out of this funk, Chris. All right, here you go, buddy. While pot use, sale, and possession remain illegal federally, eight states, they are highlighted for you in green, of course, there on the map. Oh. Eight states have now legalized recreational marijuana use. The nation's capital does not allow sales, but recreational use at home. Does this guy seem a little excited to you? He's happy. Yeah, it's because it's 420. I uh, recorded this clip. Yeah, it's 420. Okay, right. Is legal there in Washington, D.C. There's a new poll out. It's April just. 20th? Yeah. Oh, okay. How does how so? Did you hear what he said there? That DC, it's 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 legal, but you can't buy it there. Right. There's no. It's kind of like how Washington was for for a time. Well, how how the hell do you get it then? Uh, Can anybody in the DC area tell us? Because uh, they just grow it covertly. States have now legalized recreational marijuana use. The nation's capital does not allow sales, but recreational use at home is legal there in Washington DC. There's a new poll out. It. I don't understand how you're supposed to get the pot if it's legal, but you can't sell it. It was just how much attitudes are changing around pot. To dig deeper, let's turn to our data guru, senior political editor Mark Murray, on this 420 holiday. You know, he's a data guru, so they got to give him one of these crappy touchscreens that still are less sophisticated. I'm sorry, John King is the best of the touchscreen. Yeah, no one can touch him. Yeah, I agree. John King definitely manages to uh, work with the touchscreen the best. But if you're going to do a touchscreen on, Mm -hmm. okay, 
I guess I'll put I'll frame it this way. I'll, maybe I'll change this. All right. If I yep. podcaster at Jupiter Broadcasting yes. was going to do a large touchscreen, uh-huh. I would at least have it be more functional than a tablet from seven years ago. <laughs> Uh, holiday for some, I should point out. Watch this guy as he tries to use it. So this guy, so first of all, pay attention to the host. Uh, he totally admits that he's celebrating 420. I should point out. Oh, let me go back a little bit here because it's good stuff. April, let's turn to our data guru, senior political editor Mark Murray on this 420 holiday. <laughs> On this 420 holiday. He calls uh, it a holiday. Yeah, because he's loving it, dude. Because he's doing it, man. On this Come 420 on. holiday. Uh, holiday for some, I should point out. Oh. Uh, what does this new polling say, first of all, Mark? Uh, Craig, it actually shows things that are pretty consistent. With- uh, he has to press it twice. With other polls that we've actually seen. In this poll, 61% of Americans say that they support legalization of marijuana. In this poll, it's up from five points back in April. And again, this is pretty consistent with what other surveys have shown, that a majority or even a little bit more than that back uh, legal marijuana use. But what I think is very striking is just look at the change from 1979, where you just had 27% of the public that actually supported marijuana legalization. You know what, so, you know Craig, this shows just me right here. The, yeah. Uh, so I, on nineteen, so in nineteen seventy nine, uh, twenty seven percent said yes. Sixty nine percent said no. There's a lot of factors in play here. I mean, first off, you got inf- internet information. Uh, the the way to research is much easier now than it was in nineteen seventy nine. Obviously, it's a generational thing, and we've already gone through what nearly two generations worth right there at that point. So you look at this information and numbers, it's not necessarily attitudes have changed. We just have new people. We have new information. We have new research. I I also think that pot has become more available in that time. And uh, the uh, the more people that try pot, the less people are against it. Like once people try it, they're like, oh, this is not a big deal. This is this is this affects my life less than drinking a couple of cans of beer does. Yeah. And I think once you make that realization, you sort of calm the fuck down about everything. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So in now in 2016, you fast forward, 56% say yes, 36% say no. And I would be even curious to know why it's even that high and that low. Why is it why is it only 56% is my question. And I think depending on where you pull, it sometimes can be a lot higher and it sometimes oh, totally. is lower. Yeah, absolutely. Over- a 40-year span, a very big sea change. And then let me a couple other numbers. You have 88% of Americans, almost 9 in 10, who back uh, making uh, medical marijuana legal. You know, the whole medical angle is an interesting one, you know, and that's really what busted this thing open, was getting people to acknowledge that there was some kind of medical advantage to pot. That dirty Mexican marijuana has some sort of medical value. I don't know. Maybe it's for those cancer patients, those those cancer people. Maybe that's who it's good for. But I don't know. And then, and then as that expanded and it became, it became beneficial to more and more people, well, sure, medical. Yeah, let the suffering people, the people I don't want to know about, the people I don't right. want to think about, the people yep. I don't want to have to deal with, they can smoke pot because they're probably already fucked up on pharmaceuticals anyways let them smoke it and then it turns out that that actually did bleed into general recreational usage it's starting with by starting with medical and focusing on medical and doing it doing a very focused we're not trying to get everyone smoking pot here we're just trying to get medical marijuana approved and doing that state by state they slowly over that 40 years 
changed people's opinion about it. And then you end up having 71% of Americans opposing federal government crackdown of uh, legal sales of marijuana. Uh, and se- certainly that seems to be some of the rhetoric coming from the Trump administration, certainly Attorney General Jeff Sessions. To what can we attribute the, the shift in, in numbers there, Mark? Or do we know? Do we know why attitudes uh, seem to be changing uh, somewhat swiftly? Yeah, Mark, what do you think? <laughs> By the way, Mark, happy 420. <laughs> Well, Craig, one has to do with just a younger generation uh, that, uh, you know, that marijuana legalization is supported by younger people. And as younger people are becoming a bigger part of the country, these numbers go up. But there's also one other reason I think it's really fascinating, Craig. Fifty three percent of Americans in the same CBS poll say that alcohol is more harmful to the health. Just seven percent cite marijuana. And so there's a bigger stigmatization of alcohol than there is on marijuana. Mark Murray, our senior political editor uh, and today guru of all things weed. <laughs> I bet I bet the people who answered that question thought about, you know how many times I threw up on the porcelain bowl? God, no kidding. Right. You know, the- <laughs> how many times have you been hung over and been like, I am never drinking again. This is the worst. <laughs> I've had I, enough. Yeah, that's 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 enough to turn you off right there. All right. That brings us to the end of 234. 234. You know, I'm going to miss it. Yeah, I'm gonna it, miss it. it was a very good one. Yeah. And next week, I have no idea what the hell's going on. Well, next next week's crazy, because FYI, you guys, in case you haven't been looking at the calendar, next weekend we will be live up in Bellingham, Washington, for Linux Fest Northwest. So yeah, make man. sure you are following Jupiter's yeah. signal yeah. on the Twitters, yeah. because yeah. there's going to be a lot happening. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. And if, if things get too crazy and we don't have an episode, don't worry, we'll try to make up. Try to make it up, but I think everything should go as planned. Yes, we, let's yeah. let's cross our fingers. In the meantime, yes, where should people find you on the internet, Mister Chase? You know what? I love people follow me on Twitter at Nunes N U N E S. And if you love the gaming stuff, uh-huh. I'm doing a lot of gaming over at twitch.tv slash Geek Gamer TV. Shut your face! A lot of fun stuff. Playing a lot of City Skylines, which, by the way, is on Linux. Hmm, I've seen that. Yeah. I used to vlog back at you back used in the day. To? Well, I will again. Yeah, okay. Where, no, where can I, people I find have that? more? YouTube.com slash Chris Fisher for now, and you can follow me on the Twitter for now at Chris L A S. Oh, 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 oh. I got new stuff in the works too. Check out LinuxActionNews.com. What? Yeah, and don't Linux Action News. Don't miss our live streaming, like Mr. Chase was just talking about, at Linux Fest coming up very, very, very soon. Yeah. Details also in Linux Action Show. And last but not least, yes. I want to give a big thank you to producer Matt for the great clips. I want to give a big thank you to our subreddit for helping us sort through the news on filter.reddit.com. And if you want to get a hold of us, well, we would love that. JupiterBroadcasting.com slash contact. And if you want to get read in the show, Patreon.com slash unfilter. Got to get in Club 33. Stick around, though. The overtime's coming up. The coming show's up. not... Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You can leave now. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. But we already talked about this. It's probably nothing. We won. Now it's time to celebrate with the overtime. That's right. Yeah, in fact, in the overtime, we're going to have a very special guest, too, so stick around. If you're leaving, thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. week. <laughs> Don't believe their lies. Show's not over yet. No, no, no. No, in fact, some scholars would argue it's just getting started. It's time for the Unfiltered Overtime, brought to you by Patreon.com. Slash Unfiltered.
Thank you to our new patrons, Justin James, Message to Observer, and Bobby. You are our new patrons this week. I could use I could use a few more on a week like this week. But it working this week for you guys. Working it! And I always appreciate the support. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Keep this show going, a show for the people. Speaking of the people, one of those patrons, a very special patron, is joining us in studio for the overtime this week. Hey there, Noah. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being a patron. (laughs) No worries. So we got a bunch of good stuff to go through. But no, one of the things we like to do right here at the top of the overtime is do a little segment called Oh, Nancy. Okay. Yeah. Now, it started as a segment about Nancy Pelosi. Okay. uh, Minority Speaker of the House, sort of the leader of the Democratic Party at this point, Mm -hmm. and uh, arguably. um, It started to just sort of document her decline. But then I realized what it really was, was documenting the systemic rot that is the corporatist Democrats that has plagued their party now, the leadership of their party now, and caused them to lose election after election. Mm -hmm. But I like to start with like the tip of that of that spear. Like, you know, if it was, I don't know if you ever heard this analogy of the iceberg before. Oh, yeah. Tip of that iceberg would be like your Nancy Pelosi's, your Chuck Schumer's, your Mm -hmm. Nancy... Your Maxine Waters, your Maxine Waters, you mm-hmm. know, you're, you're, you know, those. So here's a little, uh, here's a little ditty. Here's a little, get, here, just to get us warmed up, just to get us warmed up. We'll do a little, uh, we'll do a little uh, check in with uh, your good buddy, your friend, Bernie Sanders. Oh, yeah. yeah. Before we get to Nancy, because uh, Bernie has a, has a few opinions about the Democrats, too. And we're back with Senator Bernie Sanders, who is back home in Burlington after a week long tour of red states, along with the head of the Democratic Party. Welcome, Senator. I want to talk to you about that unity uh, tour you were on. You were with DNC Chairman Tom Perez. He was booed a little bit in Maine. There's also a little <laughs> dust up over the uh, your endorsement of a candidate in DNC Omaha. What are the terms of the discussion in the Democratic Party right now about terms. its direction? I think what is clear to anyone who looks at where the Democratic Party today is that the model of the Democratic Party is failing. Uh, we have the uh, we have a Republican president who ran as a candidate, as the most unpopular candidate in modern history of this country. Republicans control the House, the Senate, two-thirds of uh, governor's chairs. And in the last uh, eight years, they have picked up 900 legislative seats. Clearly, the Democratic Party has got to change. And in my view, what it has got to become is a grassroots party, a party which makes decisions from the bottom on up, a party which is more dependent on small donations than large donations, a party, John, that speaks to the pain of the working class in this country. Sounds like somebody who's uh, maybe uh, pushing for a position. You know, I give Bernie Sanders this, Chris. I trust Bernie Sanders. I may not agree with him on anything, but he's an honest guy. He comes to you for straightforward and he he says what he believes. I believe when he says he wants a party of small you know, small donations. He wants a, a grassroots. I believe he really believes that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, you heard the uh, the uh, um, interviewer ask about the uh, Tom Perez um, right. drama. Mm-hmm. I'll just show you a little bit of what what this what this is. Tom Perez. Now he, he's the guy that runs the DNC now. Right. Those Republican leaders and President Trump don't give a about the people they were trying to hurt. They call it a skinny budget. I call it a budget. He's a damn liar. That's what I say, pal. You're right. He's a liar because the Republican leadership doesn't give a about people who are suffering. That's bull friends. They call it a skinny budget. I call it a 
budget. Yeah, I mean, this guy is, uh, I guess he's trying to make waves by using, I mean, politicians are always so calculated that I, I tend not to think this stuff is just a natural spur of the moment. Right. He's a, he's a free talking uh, yeah. maverick. I right. think this is a calculated thing. I, I agree. I agree. I uh, I don't I don't think it's working for him. I think he's trying to kind of do the Donald Trumpism of yeah. the I'll just speak my mind and, and bring it to you real. Yeah, yeah. I don't think it comes off as well. All right, so let's uh, now from uh, from Tom Perez. Let's go to Nancy Pelosi, who garbles some words, mispronounces country names, and managed to do it all in a short short speech. And Hassan Shire, uh for your well deserved recognitions tonight. To all. Today, the strong moral voice of Refugees International. We degrade our values and our security when we slam the door in the face of children fleeing, fleeing atrocities. Oh man, this is thick. This is thick. We're 17 seconds in. We're 17 <laughs> seconds in. With the specter of famine looming and over northeast Nigeria, Somalia, South Sudan and, Yuma, and Yemen. Oh, man. Slashing the State Department, oh, bu- Department budget and foreign aid budget by 30% would only deepen the crisis fighting, uh, facing the children. <laughs> children. Children need America to be their champion. Thank you, Refugees International, for your leadership. Thank you for your moral advocacy oh, and your boy. action. Thank you for challenging us. Challenging us. Whoa, dude! Hold on, let's do that one again. Thank you for challenging us. Challenging us. To- Whoa. <laughs> she's she's almost Hillary Clinton there, you know, tweaking out. See, and your action. Thank you for challenging us. Challenging us to honor our values as a nation. Thank you all for the honor to participate this evening. Thank you so much. <laughs> So that's uh, leader of the uh, Democrats right there, Nancy Pelosi, who also <laughs> said that Donald Trump has been showing weakness recently. Nancy Pelosi of California, Leader Pelosi, welcome back to Meet the Press. Good morning. My pleasure to be with you from Texas. Let me ask you, since you are uh, in a coming from a state that uh, might uh, be impacted by a border wall, is there any scenario um, that you will support uh, uh, or that Democrats will help keep the government open? If there is money designated to build the wall, there, we, the Democrats do not support the wall, and I think that the Republicans on the border states do not support the wall. The Republicans have the votes in the House. Her eyes look very glossy, don't mm-hmm. they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm almost wondering if she's not drunk. I almost wonder if it's like pills. Very heavy under her eyes too. Look at the shadowing on her. Yeah. yeah she's in some sort of a TV studio, you think they'd have lights to correct a lot they of that. They would have lights to correct a lot of that. And, it, and the White House to keep government open. The burden to keep it open is on the Republicans. The wall is, in my view, immoral, expensive, unwise. And uh, when the president says, well, I promised a wall during my campaign, I, I don't think he said he was going to pass uh, billions of dollars of cost of the wall onto the taxpayer. So I submit to you, here's exhibit A right here of Nancy Pelosi. She's out there giving a message. She's, she, is, she is still the predominant spokesperson of the Democratic platform right sure, now. Sure, sure. It, it doesn't seem to matter that the, 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 the voting people have zero interest in anything Nancy Pelosi has to say. Right. Or that she seems to constantly embarrass them when she goes out in the public. Absolutely. <clears throat> you know, addressing what she actually said, too. Ten years ago under Bush, they, we voted for a wall. We allocated funds for a wall, and then we didn't build the wall. Obviously, when Obama took office, that never went anywhere. And as Trump campaigned on it, then Trump took office. 
pushing forward with a wall that we've already allocated a, a certain amount of money for. I, I, I'm not exactly seeing where she comes up with, well, we're going to push all this off on the taxpayer. I mean, certainly there's going to be an added burden to the taxpayer. Yeah, I think that's going to be a vulnerability until Trump is really specific on how he's paying for the wall because mm-hmm. um, he keeps floating a few ideas. Yeah, to me, it's pretty simple. We, we give a lot of foreign aid to Mexico, but just take it out of their loans. <laughs> They're I mean, that's what I would do. So uh, this might have some uh, dirty language in it. So you have been warned. But it's not just Tom Perez who has a dirty mouth. It seems to me that a lot of the most radical anti-Trumpers have a little bit of a dirty mouth. You've got to stop his ass. Those Republican leaders and President Trump don't give a about the people they were trying to hurt. It's What's this, this that? bitch, what? bitch, no. bitch? I mean, he's it's supposed to be a positive, make America great guy. You have a favorite curse word? Poop. Poop? <laughs> And to our detractors, you. Donald Trump, suck a and our ain't for grabbing. They saved my ass and some other parts too. That guy's a moron. Our president doesn't give a about any of that. They call their budget a skinny budget. I call their budget a shitty budget. They call it a skinny budget. I call it a budget. The right to do that. He inherited Crapola. He had poop. <laughs> Try it. Have you said? Try it. <laughs> they got you know. <laughs> Elizabeth wow. Warren. Wow, dude. Wow. Wow. I think there's a unity tour underway right now that appears to be creating sometimes a bit disunity. Thank Tom Perez for his remarks. chairman and the future of the democratic policy here two months ago my two months two months ago my friends do you consider yourself a democrat no i'm an independent the guy who came really close in their primaries still does not consider himself a member of the democratic party fight for a progressive agenda which among other things includes a medicare for all single-payer program is the dnc on board with medicare for all single-payer tom well you know we we want to make sure that health care is a right it's not a privilege we can't bring about the changes that we want unless we have the guts to point the finger at the ruling class of this country. It's like the one sitting right next to him. You know what? Your greed is destroying this country. Do you think it's important as the senator sitting next to you just said to say the ruling class, <laughs> his words, this country, are basically screwing average folks? I think you're creating a false choice, Chris. But Mello's record on abortion has some liberal groups abandoning him. Democratic National Committee Chairman actually had to put out the following statement. I fundamentally disagree with Heath Mello's personal beliefs, the candidate for Omaha mayor, about women's reproductive health. Can you be a Democrat? you better do Tom Perez? The model of the Democratic Party is failing. You were with DNC Chairman Tom Perez. He was booed a little bit in Maine. There's also a little dust up over the... <laughs> there, for those of you listening, uh, Sanders had the biggest grin on his face when they talked about him getting uh, booed. There's also that hard question of when you get asked if you'd support Nancy. All right, John, there seem to be two crowds in that video. There are the Sanders crowds chanting Bernie and then more of the traditional Democrats in that crowd. But you heard the response when they were introducing the DNC chair, keeping in mind that Senator Sanders questions whether you're a real progressive. Which side of that room are you on? Well, uh, maybe it's because I'm a little bit new to the scene, Anna, and thank you for having me. Uh, But I'm simply not interested in ideological labels or purity tests. I'll tell you where I stand on the issues, and then I'll let the pundits decide how to label me. I want to cut wasteful spending to prioritize research and development, infrastructure, and higher education. 
I'm pro-choice. I'm pro-LGBT rights. I think the U.S. needs to do its job to limit yeah, carbon go. emissions. And just six district, not a potential leadership contest for Democrats to work out. You know, I'm sorry. This clip sucks. This clip sucks. And I'm totally distracted because uh, in the studio right now, one of our one of our monitors is totally going out and it's freaking me out. Like <laughs> the I've backlight this- is literally going out. And the thing is, this monitor, <clears throat> not to sidetrack too far, but this monitor is almost kind of irreplaceable because it does things that no other display does, like yeah. the built in USB hub and yeah. stuff. And the perfect resolution and, and refresh rate for uh, mirroring our uh, right. video out. Oh, right. don't die. Oh, don't die. It's an old Dell monitor. It's been a long time. You can time. do it, buddy. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, come back dead. to Oh, no. Yeah. No. Why? Hey, it's back. It's back. It's back. Because I turned it back on. Oh, okay. But I think it's so last week on the show, we talked about Bill O'Reilly a little bit. And you and I were talking about how his podcast would come out. Everybody's going to wonder what right. he has to say. He made a comment in his podcast. I have a clip that has a clip of it. Bill O'Reilly says he is sad after losing his top-rated Fox News show amid a sexual harassment scandal. O'Reilly spoke yesterday for the first time since his ouster on his No Spin News podcast. The comments came as Fox News was hit with a new lawsuit. Former anchor Andrea Tenteros accuses executives of high-tech retaliation after she complained of sexual harassment. She says they hacked her phone and emails. Anna Werner is at Fox News headquarters. That's a massive allegation. She's saying that Fox News uh, retaliated by hacking her phone. Right here in New York, Anna, good morning. Good morning. Well, Bill O'Reilly said he was shaken by his ouster. And if Fox News thought that getting rid of him last week would move them beyond negative headlines, they were wrong. Yet another lawsuit makes new claims against multiple Fox executives. I am sad that I'm not on television anymore. He's got a little audio noise in his podcast. Do you hear that? I hear that. Actually, it's GSM noise, I think. No, cell phone no if you listen to it, it's like a hard drive. Listen, oh, it's, really? it's a typical, like, you can hear your hard drive components in oh. your recording. It's totally that, because it's got that little tit tit. It's not the dee 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 You know what the thing is? Yeah, I got to give him a break. It's not like he has the money to buy a good audio case. I mean, what can he do? I know. Yeah, I was actually surprised his audio wasn't uh, more jacked. I th- I thought maybe like they do some sort of super radio processing on his voice. Well, as far as processing goes, they did a good job. GIGO. Sad that I'm not on television anymore. I was very surprised how it all turned out. I can't say a lot because there's much stuff going on right now. Much stuff. Much stuff. But he thinks the truth shall be revealed. That was Bill O'Reilly last night on his podcast. Hi, I'm Bill O'Reilly reporting from Washington. Nearly a week after he was fired from Fox News, the 67-year-old used it to speak directly to his fans. But I'm very confident the truth will come out. And when it does, I don't know if you're going to be surprised, but I think you're going to be shaken as I am. So he's shaken. He's shaken. I feel for him. Yeah. Oh, it's rough. It is. It's rough for, for Billy. It's rough. You know, the thing is, Chris, it's not so much Bill O'Reilly because Bill O'Reilly will ride off into the sunset, never working a day in his life. And he would not it would not affect him. Right. He's doing this podcast because he wants to do this podcast. I guess so. But the concept that we have weaponized speech and weaponized retaliation against people that you can destroy somebody's career, somebody's ability to pay a mortgage, somebody's ability to take care of the kids, their retirement. That is it should be a concerning trend. Yeah. So the the No Agenda show has a good breakdown of this. If you guys care more, I didn't really feel like going into it anymore. I feel like the news has sailed. But the whole thing basically came down to a sustained marketing campaign via Twitter against his advertisers mm. uh, to pressure them over a period of about a month to drop Bill O'Reilly, and they had successes. Um, 
and 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 the leader of this effort was interviewed several times. But the thing that gets even trickier than that is her organization was funded by a super PAC for Hillary that ended up having extra cash after Hillary didn't get elected. Mm-hmm. And so they they funneled it into organizations like this, and there's other ones out there. Sure. So this is election money that was left over that was used to hire a marketing firm. So then a damn marketing firm gets mm-hmm. paid to start a sustained Twitter campaign and other and other methods, but the Twitter campaign was mm-hmm. a key part of it, to go after Bill O'Reilly. And character assassination. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I don't like Bill O'Reilly. I've never watched a, I've never been I've never even watched more than five minutes of Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. See, I don't I don't know him. I don't know anything about him. He could be he could be the worst person to work with on the face of the planet. He could be the nicest guy anyone's ever met, I couldn't tell you. But what I can tell you is that the way that we've gone about this and the precedent that this sets is very alarming. And I would be saying that if it was if we we're talking about Keith Oberman. Right? Oh, it's yeah, not, it's, it doesn't matter what yes. side of the political yeah, aisle he's on. Absolutely. Just this concept that somebody can that somebody can just accuse you of something and then everyone kind of jumps on board. And then action is taken, severe action is taken based upon that. That's what makes it character assassination. Right. right. <laughs> uh, I wanted – so your choice, uh, we can do – I got two more clips for you in this, in this category. Okay. U.S. expands electronics ban or President Trump near casting a message? Oh, let's talk about the electronics ban. Let's do it. A big change that could be coming to flights headed here from Europe. A blockbuster new report says the U.S. may expand – it's electronics banned to other countries, restricting devices larger than a smartphone in the cabins of planes. ABC's senior justice correspondent Pierre Thomas has those new details for us. Good morning, Pierre. Good morning, Robin. Homeland Security officials are considering whether those travel restrictions on electronic devices bigger than cell phones should be expanded to some airports in Europe, including London. This would increase the number of airports beyond those 10 located in mostly Middle Eastern countries. Man, London? No! Now now that's going too far. Let me ask you something. What exactly is this supposed to solve? Uh, laptop bombs and printer bombs. Oh, yeah, okay. When's the last time a laptop plane... Just refresh my memory. When was the last time a plane was taken out of the sky by a laptop bomb and a printer bomb? Hmm. He's thinking. Yeah, there's not. Oh, I mean, there oh. was... There, there's, there's a couple, there's a couple like, uh, bombs and printers mm-hmm. and underwear bombs that were caught. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, this, this seems... Is this... Is this is this just security theater? It has to Why? be. Here's, here's, here's the bottom line. The bottom line is that until we st- – I mean there's always another way that you can sneak something you know, through. I mean you know, what if somebody inserts something into their bodily orifice? Are we, are we going to get to that point where we start scanning people that way? I mean hmm. I just – I feel yes, like we're yes. not solving anything here. That's a solid yes there. I agree and it's, 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 it's stupid to think that a phone battery couldn't cause issues either. I think that's kind of silly. Let's do a little breakdown here of uh, the Morning Joe's. You look at the poll numbers, Americans really, everything is still up for grabs. Whether you're talking about health care, whether you're talking about tax reform, whatever you're talking about, the House. I mean, poor Paul Ryan, and I'm dead serious. Paul Ryan, the numbers on Paul Ryan down to like 20 percent. At what point do we stop taking all of the polls as gospel? How many failures does it take of the polls? How many times do the polls have to be wrong? Brexit. Trump. Yeah. I mean, those are two big examples. Just recent ones. Those right. are just recent ones. Mm-hmm. And it's like, at what point do they, it's it's sickening because the polls become such a huge focus. And it's not just the media. It's Trump himself is focused on the polls. Oh, Politicians sure. are always focused on the polls. The polls, the polls, the polls. The polls always seem like bullshit well, to me. And the thing about the polls is I think that the very concept of the way that we go about obtaining polls is flawed, right? People like you and me, how many calls have you answered about how you're voting? Zero. Me either. So is my wife. 
In fact, most of the people under the age of 30, I believe, probably do that. If you really want an accurate poll measure, you'd have to go to social media. And even then, based on privacy settings, you may not be able to get all of the you know requisite data. Yeah, and it's easy to game that stuff, too. Paul yeah. Ryan, the numbers on Paul Ryan down to like 20 percent, uh, 21 percent, which just shows what a thankless job that job is as Speaker of the House. Oh, poor Paul Ryan. There's somehow, even with the Republicans in power, there's this big void and Americans want it filled. And it doesn't seem like the Democrats are able to sort of even begin rebuilding in terms of they seem to be kind of floundering a little bit. Yeah, that's, that is just intense when it's MSNBC saying that. Here are the new numbers overnight from NBC News and Wall Street Journal showing President Trump might also have some more work to do to persuade Americans on his agenda. Confidence is slipping in the president and Republicans ability to improve health care. Half of Americans have. So they surveyed. And this is how, so this is how they got this in April, uh, April 17th through the 20th. Mm-hmm. They surveyed 900 American adults of those 900 American adults. This is how they answered with a 3.3 percent margin of error. That is that is that can be so biased so easily. A nine, a, a group of nine hundred sample size. Yeah, this, that's just uh, that's just ridiculous. Anyways, I find all of this 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 whole fascination. We're still stuck to the polls. Everybody's still talking about polls, like like they haven't been completely I, wrong. I don't know. You know, the, I I agree with you one hundred percent on the polls. As for the actual information that she's presenting, I don't know that she is wrong. And the reason I say that is because if you think about it, the Republicans have become the Democratic ar- the, the Republican arm of the Democratic Party. Right? Paul Ryan is is completely useless. His bill was completely useless. That bill, <laughs> that, bill, that, that, bill that bill got that did nothing for anyone. It, it wasn't going to make the Democrats happy. It wasn't going to make the Republicans happy. And the reality is when the Democrats, you have to admire the Democrats. When they are in power, they fight. When they are not in power, they fight. They fight no matter what. They, they protested Neil Gorsuch's hearing, even though they had zero chance of actually doing anything meaningful, they fought it because they fight no matter what. And they deliver to their base. They deliver to their base well, every I single time. I wouldn't say the corporatist establishment Democrats are anymore. Well, I don't know. But like, I mean, even like transgender bathrooms, it def- took them a while to get yeah, there, but and, they got there. Yeah. The one thing they definitely deliver on is like uh, there's a few like staple issues they won't they won't falter on. Like, well, the social issues. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. But they, they get there and the Republicans have done nothing. And I tell you what, in 2017, I can't believe I'm sitting on Mike saying this, but in 2017, I'm questioning if Republicans can deliver a tax break. I mean, come on. Tax cuts? In, in 2017, I have, to, I have to wonder if Republicans can, can deliver taxes. That's a sad state of affairs. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think public uh, perception of Republicans is floundering. You know, and maybe it doesn't help that they keep saying that guys like Alex Jones are Republicans. And Time reports Greek yogurt giant Chobani says there is no other option but to take conspiracy theorist Alex Jones to court. No other option. A lawsuit filed in federal court accuses Jones of making false claims that link Chobani to a spike in tuberculosis and a sexual assault case in Idaho last year. That is where the company operates the world's largest yogurt plant. Don Daler is outside the Chobani Cafe in New York City with how the popular yogurt maker. The popular yogurt maker, which uh, clearly tells you where their alliances lead. Now, uh, did did Infowars say some stupid shit about a yogurt maker? Probably. That's kind of their M.O. 
But this whole thing, like this whole attack on Alex Jones, it continues. And you can listen to the way they talk about Alex Mm -hmm. versus the way they talk about a yogurt maker. Cafe in New York City with how the popular yogurt maker became a target of right wing media. Now, this is really awkward. I don't know what's going on here. First of all, this guy doesn't know his script. These women and this guy (laughs) inside this shop are super awkward and distracting. The (laughs) whole thing is obviously just rushed together. John, good morning. Good morning. Chobani says those stories promoted by Alex Jones and his website InfoWars have encouraged boycotts. Officials in Idaho say Chobani had nothing to do with these crimes. We did no crimes. That's weird. The officials from the company says that they didn't commit any crimes. Well, okay, let's go to press with that. Exactly. (laughs) But they still say that Alex Jones and others deny that. Oh, wait, what? Wait, what? So they deny, okay, so that was really clunky, clunky. like, I, I don't quite even, I'm going to have to play back. Boycotts. Officials in Idaho say Chobani had nothing to do with these crimes. Officials in Idaho say Chobani had nothing to do with these crimes. Okay, so that's the statement, I guess, that Alex Jones is denying, and that's why he's being sued. Right. That's a weird way to phrase that. Yeah. He's not in a It'd position. It would be more like Alex Jones accused X and yes. they denied. Exactly. Yeah. And so this whole thing feels <laughs> – between between the awkward, weird, weird thing going on behind him inside the cafe right. and the fact that he's not inside the cafe when it's pouring down rain, but yeah. he's standing outside in the rain with all of their gear, and then he can't even deliver his line, the whole thing is super weird. It's crimes, but they still say that Alex Jones and others – uh deny that oh i am under massive sustained jihad attack i'm infowars creator alex jones remains defiant about claims he and his website made about chobani and its founder people he brought in and force fed on america have now been implicated indicted and have pled guilty to that I like that they put in this shot here, they put the CBS lower third over his lower third. So this actually almost looks like Alex Jones was on CBS. It's <laughs> actually a good, good favor for him. Yeah, right? I know. Like, they don't even mean to. Pled guilty to that. Jones was responding to Chobani's lawsuit, claiming this Infowars segment is full of lies. By the way, uh, the Infowars segment they're about to play for you, not hosted by Alex Jones. So the report from The Hill said that Breitbart at the time had said that uh, this plant had brought not only refugees, but crime and tuberculosis. Jones sent the video to his more than 600,000 Twitter followers with the provocative headline, Idaho yogurt maker caught importing migrant rapists. Again, that came from the at InfoWars account, not Alex Jones's account. Right. Now, it's a it's a difference. He owns InfoWars. Yeah. But it's there is if somebody as tweets from at Jupiter Signal, it doesn't right. mean I personally tweeted from it. Right. But they're not saying that. They're not saying Infowars. They're saying Alex Jones. Yeah. That's interesting. And I how think. many people have access to some of the Jupiter? I mean, I have access to some of that. Yeah. You know, some of that stuff. With the provocative headline, Idaho yogurt maker caught importing migrant rapists. Chobani says in the complaint, nowhere in the video do the defendants state that the plaintiff was caught importing migrant rapists. Defendants knowingly <laughs> misrepresented the facts. The story stems from the sexual assault of a five-year-old girl in Twin Falls, Idaho. Three boys from refugee families pled guilty. Chobani employs about 300 refugees in its Twin Falls factory. Posts on Infowars and other right-wing websites suggested the company had some responsibility. And not one shred of fact to that. Mayor Sean Berger says he's seen nothing linking the crime to Chobani. This is another thing. <clears throat> the language here is interesting. <clears throat> so before it was officials in Idaho. Right. Now it's 
the mayor, mm-hmm. not Chobani, not, right. not the company, not right. a spokesperson, not a lawyer for the company, not their PR person, which right. surely they have. A city politician. It's a mayor. Twin Falls Factory. Posts on InfoWars and other right-wing websites suggested the company had some responsibility. And not one shred of fact to that. Mayor Sean Berger says he's seen nothing linking the crime to Chobani. But I certainly have heard some folks who've said uh, they're excited to see uh, Chobani make that effort to uh, correct the record. Excited. Hey, brother. How you doing? Chobani's founder, Hamdi Yulukaya, is from Turkey and has been vocal on immigration. He spoke to 60 Minutes' Steve Croft earlier this month. One publication had a headline that... Now, this seems to me maybe the crux of the entire thing mm-hmm. is... So this is really about this is really about immigration. So what InfoWars mm-hmm. claimed was that... They brought in immigration workers who ended up getting out and raping people, et cetera, et cetera. Happens to the best of us. Yeah, of course, sure. So it almost feels like it's so it's interesting how like when they're when the when when they're when CBS is getting a statement, they're getting it from Idaho officials and the mayor, mm-hmm. which is probably who the Idaho officials probably was the mayor too. Right. Uh, and then when they're getting a statement from the company, they're going back to a CBS interview from months ago when they were discussing immigration. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, they're excited to see uh, Chobani make that effort to uh, correct the record. Hey, brother, how you doing? Chobani's founder, Hamdi Yulukaya, is from Turkey and has been vocal on immigration. He spoke to 60 Minutes' Steve Croft earlier this month. I wonder if they're trying to make a connection between Alex Jones, conspiracy theory, right, right-wing, fake news, and framing immigration. Yeah, it sounds like it. One publication had a headline that said, American yogurt tycoon vows to choke U.S. with Muslims. <laughs> People targeted you. Yeah. It was an emotional, emotional time. People. Nice cut. You know, hate you for doing something right. I mean, what can you do about that? There's not much you can do. Jones claims President Trump is one of his fans, and during the campaign, he... There we go, making it about Trump. Mm-hmm. ...promoted another fictitious story about the Democrats and Hillary Clinton running a child sex ring out of a Washington, D.C. pizzeria. But when faced with the possibility of lawsuits, Jones retracted that and apologized. We reached out to Jones and his attorney, but we have not yet heard back from them. Alex. I mean... Again, I'm, wow. one of, I'm one of the first people to make fun of Alex Jones, right? But mm-hmm. that that's they're doing something. He's getting he's getting caught up in like an immigration debate. Mm-hmm. They're calling him right wing commentator, like all that stuff. But what it is, I think that's it's all related to you know even to, even going back to the Bill O'Reilly thing. I think once you get a drop of blood, the knives come out, and they are in full out assault mode. If you go on the air and say something that a bunch of people don't like, then they're going to shut you down. And they'll do what they have to do to accomplish to that end. Is it maybe even going further than that? Is it almost like a saying, shut up or mm-hmm. we'll come after you? Right. You want to take these positions? We'll get you in the end. Right. We'll eat you. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, you know. You know what we should do? We should all focus on our fitness. <laughs> maybe get trackers. Fitbit could be the key to solving the, murdery mystery, the murder mystery of a 39-year-old mother of two. Can you believe this? A Fitbit. A Fitbit, Noah. I think anybody just wants justice. They just want the truth. And they would just like to know, you know, why. Police say they found evidence. What's that sound bite got to do with anything? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting to see the cloud story here. Uh, on this woman's fitness tracker, which ultimately led to her husband's arrest in her shooting death. What? 
Uh, he is charged with murder, tampering at, tampering with evidence, and making a false statement. Joining us now on the story, Mike Alanos. This is sort of, I saw the headline earlier, and I thought, wait, what? The fitness tracker held the clue here? How so? Yeah, it really, it dovetails with the timeline that he gave, and the Fitbit helps police put together their timeline, and they believe that's the truth. So to your point, Erica, the Fitbit could be the star witness in all of this. This is a very complicated sentence structure. It's a very complicated <clears throat> sentence structure, but what, what they're trying to allude to seems even more complicated. Yeah. Well, like, we can tell when she was moving and when she wasn't moving, and that you construct a narrative around that? Held the clue here? How so? Yeah, it really... it dovetails with the timeline that he gave, and the Fitbit helps police put together their timeline, and they believe that's the truth. So to your point, Erica, the Fitbit could be the star witness in all of this. So it sounds like the Fitbit timeline doesn't match the husband's timeline, because he says the police believe that's the truth. Yeah. Let's take you back. Richard DeBate says it's December 23rd, 2015. It's 830 in the morning. He leaves for work. Senses, he knows the alarm is going off at home. This is what he tells police. So he goes home. And he confronts an intruder, and he's wrestling with this masked man, who, by the way, is 6'2", stocky, and has a Vin Diesel voice. He's being very specific. He hears that his wife comes home, so he says he's subdued by wrist pressure points. He <laughs> so, so the guy says that his alarm goes off. He comes rushing home, mm-hmm. and the guy's still in the house when the alarm went off. Mm-hmm. And it's Vin Diesel. And <laughs> glad you said that. And uh, he, you know, everything's going pretty good. He's got this guy. Mm -hmm. But then his damn wife comes home and he gets distracted by her. And while Mm -hmm. he's distracted by the damn wife, uh, Vin Diesel takes him out with a wrist pressure point. Okay, I'm with you so far. Who, by the way, is 6'2", stocky, and has a Vin Diesel voice. He's being very specific. He hears that his wife comes home, so he says he's subdued by wrist pressure points. He can't help, tells his wife, Connie, to run into the basement. That's where, at 920... Why wouldn't you tell her to leave? But if if I'm pinned down and there's somebody in my house, and don't my wife come comes in. in don't yeah, come in. Go run. Get out of here. Get go. the hell out of here. Leave. Not go down into the basement. What I need you to do is go put your body in the basement. He says she is shot and killed. Now wow. let's go to police, their timeline. They say that surveillance video shows that woman right there at 9.18 in the morning at the YMCA. So she's going to be shot in two minutes, but according to police, she's at the YMCA. Here's where what? the Fitbit comes in. It goes idle. No movement for nine minutes. Police say that's when she's driving home. And then she gets home, and at 9.40 to 9.46, she posts on Facebook a couple of times. That's more than two minutes. Why'd that guy say two minutes? That doesn't... I don't know. Then at 10.05, the Fitbit registers its last movement. There's a panic alarm set off at the house, and at 10.20, that's when the husband, Richard DeBate, calls 911. So two different timelines, and the Fitbit playing big in helping police put together their timeline, which they believe is the truth. Whoa, they believe it's the truth there, Noah. What do you think of that? I think that this is why we shouldn't have cloud-connected devices. Actually, there's nothing that necessarily says cloud if you have that locally stored on a computer. I suppose, I suppose. Yeah, what do you think of that, though? I mean, like, these devices that we carry with us... You I just don't. don't like the idea that something that I purchased to not that not that this should ever be a, a, a shroud for illegal activity, but I don't like the idea that a device that I purchased for my own convenience could be used against me. Yeah. Do you remember the story recently about the Alexa? Uh, uh, cancel. The wa- <laughs> cancel. Stop. The, wa- the water heater thing. Water heater thing. Yeah, with the, with the it was a murder case. It was a hot tub murder. Yeah, well, oh. yeah, but then they have then they have they had things from her and the you know the yes. woman in the tube, and then also they had like tracking of like because he had his water yes. heater was automatically yes. controlled yes. or something. Oh yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yep, yes. Is and that 
that could be, uh, well, gives you an idea. It's just, I, I guess what I'm trying to get to is, like, is it something else you have to consider when you're buying this equipment? Could it be subpoenaed? Of course, I guess if you don't plan on killing people. Yeah, that's probably not much of a concern. How about if you just want to get into your garage? Is that a thing? Because that happened. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, so should we find a few more clips to wrap us up and then get out of here? Let's do it. Okay, now we have a cyber thing we have to get to. Let's so maybe I feel like we should do that. Because if we don't, let me see if there's anything else urgent. <coughs> um, there's a lot of hoopla around the Iranian deal right now. There's some, some sanctions hoopla. I'll play a little bit of that. The U.S. Treasury has imposed fresh sanctions on Syria. This time, government scientists have been targeted for suspected involvement in the alleged Idlib chemical attack. OFAC is sanctioning 271 employees of Syria's Scientific Studies and Research Center, the Syrian government agency responsible for developing and producing non-conventional weapons and means to deliver them. The United States is sending a strong message with this action that we will not tolerate the use of chemical weapons by any actor, and we intend to hold the Assad regime accountable for its unacceptable behavior. That's right. That's good. We're just going to stick to that. We're just sticking to it. We're just going to stick to it. All right, here's the judge. Remember when former President Barack Obama made this promise about the prisoners in the Iranian swap deal? These individuals were not charged with terrorism or any violent offenses. They're civilians, and the release is a one-time gesture to Iran, given the unique opportunity offered by this moment and the larger circumstances at play. Yeah, we were just arresting civilians like crazy. So that we is absolutely let not true. That turns out what he was just saying, a total lie. And they were a potential threat, these individuals, to national security. We just asked for people doing the investigating. So how did this previous administration... That's how we go. Uh, that's how we roll. ...get away with this. Here to weigh in, who's had, had a chance to digest the documents last night. <laughs> Fox News senior judicial analyst Andrew Napolitano. Judge, are we overstating when we say the president was not being forthright in that statement? We are not overstating it at all. These were not civilians who were arrested for political crimes. These were serious. This is his own Justice Department. The Obama Justice Department characterized these people as serious terrorists who had supplied material equipment to terrorist organizations in the Middle East and who had supplied nuclear components to Iran. And they were buying them from us. Correct. They were being prosecuted for this. These were serious prosecutions with a tremendous amount of evidence against these people. The next day, they were gone. Does you know, he know? He didn't. He didn't. Did that just fly over his head, or do you think he not? Didn't he missed it? Or? Oh no, he caught it. It's just oh. that to him, it's like it's to the judge. It's like it doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, you know, I, I, th- all of this. What you'd have to tell me is that uh, Iran is more likely to launch a nuke because of the deal, and that's pretty much the only thing you could say about the deal that would make me go, "That's a bad deal." Mm-hmm. Like they have been trying to frame this as a bad deal since before the deal was signed, right? And I. I don't understand it. I just like I don't understand acting aggressively towards Russia. I don't mm-hmm. understand acting aggressively towards Iran. Anytime we can de-escalate tensions right. with a, another country that has the capability of launching nukes, absolutely seems like a good thing. That seems right. like a good deal to me. Not but to mention, it's, I don't understand why the right seems to hate the nuke deal yeah, so and much. Just, and take away the nuclear aspect of it, even 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 just from a financial perspective, from a from a we don't need to be involved in that perspective. Mm, yeah, right. Speaking of nukes. The UK could decide to use its nuclear weapons in a first strike if London deems it necessary. That's a- what? I'm going to put. I'm, I'm sorry. What? I'm going to. 
The UK could decide to use its nuclear weapons in a first strike if London deems it necessary. That's according to UK Defence Secretary Michael Fallon. RT's Issa Ali has more on Britain's nuclear strategy. Some quite belligerent comments there from the UK's Defence Secretary, Michael Fallon. He said uh, that in the most extreme circumstances, we've made it clear that you can't rule out the use of nuclear weapons as a first strike. I mean, I feel like they're just talking tough, right? Yeah. Uh, excuse me, ignorance, who are they going to strike? Well, who, who, because it's RT covering this, I'm thinking uh, they must be talking Russia. Russia okay. They've got to be talking Russia with some tough to talk. There is the threat from existing nuclear states like Russia. There you go. We know that President Putin is upgrading his Putin. nuclear forces. In the last two years, there has been a disturbing increase in both Russian rhetoric about the use of nuclear weapons and the frequency of snap nuclear exercises. Yeah, dude, it's so weird. It's like it's like there's this so it's this weird thing. I don't know. I don't. It's like Putin's crazy. Like there's this crazy escalation of like testing and drills, and it's weird because like. A NATO event happens and like we put missiles in on a NATO ally or we move troops or we do like a summer long test. And all of a sudden the Russians do a test and the Russians build a weapon. It's the craziest thing, dude. I can't even fathom how it works. (laughs) It's so weird. It's so weird. Anyways, better, uh, better talk tough and have some first strikes, right? Better talk tough. Russia would really like you to know they're saving the day, though. U.N.-based rules should be created to battle fake news. That's the suggestion of the Russian Foreign Ministry spokeswoman. What? Now, wait a minute. I thought fake news was Russia influencing the news to begin with. Maria Zakharova during a session of the U.N. Committee on Information. So this is Russia's big plan is, well, uh, if we're going to if we're going to get all huffy about fake news, then we're going to try to control the narrative about it. Mm Our delegation proposes the UN define the strategy for battling fake news and disinformation. Russia will be ready to fully support this initiative, which is extremely important for developing a healthy environment for news reporting. I'm amazed that fake news is even being discussed at the UN. Like, what the hell? Can we get over this now? Yeah, especially that term too, right? Yeah, it's, it's... It seems so funny that it's gotten that far. Mm -hmm. And so Russia's whole thing here is, well, we'll just get ahead of it. We'll just get ahead of all of this and, uh... We we will help with the fight against fake news, which is which is pretty clever, actually. All right, so there's one thing we have to answer before we can wrap up the overtime. One okay. problem we have to solve. Okay, world peace. No, it's bigger than that. I see. It's about the kids. Oh, it's the children. The, the children. about the future of the children. The children. Okay. And why they like to cyber so much. Now, we've been covering the South Burlington High School threat for days now. But who could forget the Essex High School lockdown that just happened last week? I can't forget it. Two separate cases with one common threat, cybercrime. <gasps> what causes teens and young adults to go to such great lengths to put a community in fear? Well, I sat down with a forensic... And the entire community, guys. The entire community. ...criminal great psychologist lengths. to find out. Over the last eight days, a rash of school threats and lockdowns rash. has hit area districts. Lockdown! Including Essex High School and most recently South Burlington High School. Bomb the squad. people um, that are perpetrating these particular crimes or issues are looking to disrupt. It's a disruption. God, that guy looks like he got bullied as a kid. <laughs> In both of these cases, police believe high-tech crimes were involved, including things like fake web accounts things. and hacking. A lot of information available on the internet, a lot of information available on the websites. For- a lot of... I'm dying over here. A high lot of knowledge. T- high tech crimes like fake accounts on online. There's a 
lot of knowledge on the internet, dude. They, and we they made a fake Twitter account. We it's got, a high-tech crime. We've really got to get our heads around this problem with the children going online and getting knowledge from yes. the internet. We, yes. cannot, we cannot allow this. This self-education, this is going to lead... These kids that are hacking us, right. they need to be sent to jail. That's right. Not given jobs. By, by guys, given, they, they, it's a good thing they had that body armor for all those high-tech crimes. I love this old keyboard on the Stell, too. And hack it. A lot of information available on the internet, a lot of information available on the websites for our schools. And That guy couldn't fix his collar before he goes on the air? <laughs> like, he's got he's got two collars, so he's got a double collar thing going. He's, right. he's looking like Steve Bannon Maybe up there. Maybe he's a little chilly. And then one of the collars is flapped over the other collar, and then his top layer collar is, like, in pimp mode, but <laughs> he doesn't obviously intend for it. Pimp the websites for our schools, and that's good. It shares information, and it serves a great purpose. And then there are people who would choose to do us harm or choose to create the kind of disruption that this may have created. That disruption puts the community on high alert, leaving many to wonder what the hacker's motivation is. Well, like anything else, hacking is something that you're not supposed to do, and therefore it becomes highly attractive. Powell also says many of these cyber criminals are young kids, possibly unable like to expert. grasp the full extent of what they're doing. So, did, in nowhere did they ever say what it was they did. No, just called it like bomb threats and stuff. Oh, yeah, okay. no bigs. Oh, I mean, it's bigs, but it's not really cyber hacking. But, you know, you got to watch out for the kids. Noah, thanks for joining me for hey, a special thanks for having me. You know, uh, check out Linux Action Show this Sunday. Noah's going to be live in studio. And if you haven't listened to Ask Noah yet, got to go check that out. Where should they find that? AskNoahShow.com or right here on JBLive.tv, Monday, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. Boom. See you next week, guys.